0: nice to be here in uh, Hesperia. Um, Matt and Sarah contacted me. I don't know how long ago was that now, maybe four or five months ago, maybe, maybe a, a bit longer. And um, just asking about, you know, partnership and connection and who we were and whether there's an opportunity for us to connect together, partner with you here in, in the USA. And so um, around the same time, we had just been in a place where God was opening up some of our... Um, Sphere of uh, operation and, and we'll begin t- to look more internationally and so uh, it 's been a great journey these last few months so it 's going to be here to meet you all to put uh, faces to names and see the body and see what you 're up to in this town and it 's very exciting uh, to be here so i 'm uh, I'm billy i 'm married to Caroline and uh, we have three grown up children uh, a son in law a daughter in law uh, three grandsons uh, one dog, uh, 50,000 bees. Uh, we, I, I started uh, keeping bees last year, and so I had my first honey harvest last week. So we had 108 jars of honey. So uh, if, if I could transport them into the U.S., I would have brought you all a jar, but unfortunately not. Um, and so um, I lead a network of churches called Pioneer, uh, we're primarily have been based in the U.K., uh, our our network began probably in the 70s and 80s. Uh, we were birthed in the charismatic renewal in the Jesus movement and uh, in the UK many young people got baptized in Holy Spirit and, and went to the churches that they were in and the church didn't understand what was going on and so a lot of them were, were kicked out of their churches because they were raising their arms in worship and speaking in tongues and praying for the sick and out on the streets, and most churches couldn't cope with that. And so in the UK, a whole bunch of new churches began uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, and Pioneer was one of those networks, and uh, other networks emerged like Cornerstone and uh, Covenant Ministries and New Frontiers, but Pioneer was one of those uh, networks that began uh, way back then. We were strong on the prophetic, Um, if you heard of a guy called Graham Cook. Graham was part of our network for many, many years before he moved to the USA. Um, if you've, um, we were strong on our worship. In fact, the, the, the second song we sang today was written by a friend of mine who's part of a pioneer church in uh, Maidenhead, Spirit Breakout. Um, I met a young guy in the early 90s called Martin Smith. Uh, he was 18 years old. And when I saw him for the very first time, um, I, he, was, he was leading worship for us. And uh, I saw this huge angel behind him. And God said to me, this is my angel called worship who draws worship from the heart of my people. And so um, I, I got together with Martin and we began to run a youth event together called Cutting Edge. And um, Martin began to write some songs. You may have sung some of them. And then they changed their name to Delirious halfway through this process. And then uh, we kicked them off into the, into the world to go and bring their worship Uh, into the world and we were strong on that I came to a conference in Vacaville in the early 90s uh, having just begun to work with Martin and run cutting-edge events and we were gathering like a thousand young people every month for worship and there was like sweat dripping down the walls and kids getting out of wheelchairs. It was just a phenomenal time. And I went to our conference and shared this. And there was a young guy called Banning Leepshire, there who came to see me afterwards and just said, I want to know more about what you're doing. And so we shared more about our cutting edge um, ideas. And he went home and started that thing called Jesus Culture. You've probably heard of that as well. And so we were strong on worship, have been strong on worship. Um, I got involved to lead Pioneer uh, 10 years ago and brought more of an apostolic focus in church planting and social engagement and encouraging individuals uh, to take their calling seriously whether that was in business or in politics or in the media or in education or in health care and so pioneer had created this sort of en- this this innovative environment where church was gray quite dull and very much the power of the spirit enabled us and empowered us to take the good news of the gospel into every sphere uh, of our communities and of our society we we served the poor we started schools we started charities in order to see the good news of jesus spread out beyond the walls of the church and so that's what we've been about uh just getting on with it and keeping our heads down uh focusing on our local communities about three years ago god spoke to us and said i'm going to change your geography and uh i alan scott brought a word to us saying i see god a bit like um we call it crazy paving i'm not sure whether you ha- you have you know crazy paving so like 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 a patio so this is like a nice neat patio but where patios have got like um bricks of of, of various shapes we call that crazy paving what what do you call that here just you don't have the name and it's like here and here and here and here. So these, these last few years, God has opened up doors for us to work into Australia and Sri Lanka and Cuba and Kenya and Zambia and the USA. And so um, you are the second partner church in the USA. Number two. <laughs> Um, you know, so we would describe our values that we are, we are missional. You know, we want to think outside the box. We want to think outside the walls of our church. So what you did here is just beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful, beautiful. We want to be reaching out to people, not like just saying come to us, but going out to where people are, meeting their needs where they are. We are relational. You know, we are building community. We're not about hierarchy. You know, leadership comes out of community, not just sitting above it. I first went into church ministry many, many years ago and my first bit of advice that was probably the worst bit of advice I'd ever received was this. Don't get too close to the sheep. That was the philosophy of leadership. And I thought, what, like Jesus? Who the sheep knew his voice? Don't get too close like Jesus got too close. And so we are relational. Everyone has a part to play everyone has a gift to contribute we're not about hierarchy we're about relationship we are charismatic we prioritize the presence it was beautiful to be i could i could have been been at home this morning you know we had worship leaders from all over the world leading us didn't we today which is really cool you know i was in australia a few weeks ago and they they did exactly the same so you know it's just great that we can prioritize the present. we believe in the work of the spirit to, to to bring about miracles and healings and restoration and so uh we are charismatic and we are kingdom orientated <clears throat> it's about all of life it's not about building we're not interested in building the brand of pioneer we're interested in extending the kingdom of god yeah. and if that means we can help well, we'll we'll help but we are about the kingdom of heaven influencing all of our communities uh, all that we are involved in god's kingdom his rule his reign his beautiful rule and reign coming not to dominate uh, but to serve and to enhance and to enrich all that we do uh, around us so we have a few distinctives as pioneer and we promote women into every sphere of leadership in the church there's no position that's barred because of your gender so you can be an apostle a prophet a pastor a teacher an evangelist an elder a senior pastor although we don't use those terms you can be anything that god has, if god has anointed you who are we to say you can't do that and so we intentionally and specifically empower and equip women to lead and so in as uh, matt said i've just changed my role i was leading the pioneer uk team for the last 10 years and uh, we've just handed on that role to a woman uh, I, I, a young woman called Ness Wilson, who's uh, in her mid forties, uh, with two young kids, and she's now leading the network. She's the apostle at large, serving uh, across the UK. And so, what's one of our distinctives? Do we hear an amen? amen. Um, we we are pioneer. So therefore, we will continue to pioneer. We have to live up to our name. We want to continue to innovate, to create to find new things that God is calling us into, but listen to the Spirit of God's voice. So we we don't want to stand still. You know, movements only continue to be a movement when they keep moving. Otherwise they stagnate and become an institution. And so in order for movements to keep moving, people within the movement need to keep moving. So either that means you've got to be stepping up into something new, giving birth to something new or creating space for others so that's why you know this word about the um, mature generation is, is, is really important you know when the bible talks about generations it doesn't talk about older and younger it talks about the generation that exists right now so this is the generation it's not like the young people it's like this is the generation and we all have a part to play. So I've become a grandparent in the, in the last three years. It's a cool thing. I wish they had told us about being a grandparent a lot earlier. You know, it's so much fun. And, you know, you don't have the sleepless nights and all that stuff, you know. You get to do all the good things. And so I, I'm, no, I'm no longer the parent. My role has changed. But I get to do what, what, what papas do. I don't do what daddies do anymore. You know, it's a different role but it's still an important role. You know, I, I, I had a word for, for our white-herd folks. Um, There's the, a the, the scripture in John um, where Jesus says this, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. And the revelation I had was this, if people stick around, if they remain, their prayers carry authority and so sometimes we forget that you're still here white herd people you're still sat here the many of our peers have have walked away but you're still here and because you have remained the prayers that you pray carry authority and carry weight and i said to our we call them the remainers to our remainers which in England is not a great term right now because we have Brexit going on and you got the leavers and the remainers so it's 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 not a, a, a great term but that's what the term that I'm using because you have remained your prayers will carry more authority than you realize and in fact I said to them you will see more fruit in this season of your lives in your prayerful authority than in 40 years of activity because if that scripture is true which i believe it is if you remain in me my words remain in you ask whatever you will and it will be done for you and so um for those of you who continue to remain there's still a place there's still a role it looks different but it's there. And you carry authority in your prayers. And then the third area that we really want to see as one of our distinctives is that we, we want to be catalysts for unity. We, 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 we will love the whole body of Christ. Not just our little bit of it. You know, we are not the only thing in town. God has been at work for centuries in all sorts of places. And we're just like the latest incarnation of it. And so we have to honor what has been. We have to honor those who are around. We have to honor people who do things slightly differently to us. Um, but that's what we are about as, as pioneer. And that has ended up, I have, um, for the last four years, I served as a president of churches together in England, uh, which was a weird thing to, to to have to do um, and there were three, four other presidents there was the Archbishop of Canterbury there was the Roman Catholic Archbishop uh, there was the Orthodox Archbishop uh, there was the the, uh, the right reverend doctor who was the church in charge of all the free churches and and me uh, new church leader and so the first time I, I had a meeting they said to me how should we um, address you I said well um, my friends call me Billy. How is that for a starter? And so I found myself in this environment, with all these, these men who were in the high positions of authority within their churches, and yet coming to see they all loved Jesus, but did things very differently. You know, I I then got invited to I got invited to, to, to the to the Queen's ninetieth birthday celebration at St Paul's Cathedral, and um, they said to me, "Please come and uh, with the other guys and." and robe and process so i had to say um what does that mean say, well you come and put on your clerical robes and then you walk down the aisle in front of the queen so i'm like um we don't have any robes i mean th- this is it my batman t-shirt you know so they say well um well wear a suit at least so i wore my suit and um I went to St. Paul's Cathedral and, and, and walked down the aisle and ac- acknowledged the queen, and, and we did our thing. And then I had to leave the service quickly, and so we were, everyone then processed out, and they have a robing room where they all get changed. So you've got all these guys like getting undressed, you know, n- 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 not, n- not undressed, undressed, but, you know, out of their robes. And then I, I nipped off quickly. I, I had to get a train, so I nipped out the east door, and I, I walked out and then realized that... Um, there was no one else there apart from the, the royal family and the prime minister, and um, I'm thinking, what well, I'd walked out the wrong door. And they were all like getting ready for the flyover of the Spitfires and all the various, you know, things. And and so I nipped down the stairs to try and get out quickly. And then all the paparazzi, all the press were there on the other side. It was all blocked off. And so my wife is on tel- is watching it on TV because it was, it was live, and she's going, <laughs> "What is he doing?" it was like Mr. Bean. I was Mr. Bean. And I'm like walking around with my with my file going how do I get out of here? And then I went over to this guy who happened to be the head of the armed forces for the British army. And I'm chatting away to him and Caroline's going what is he doing? What's he doing? Billy get out of there. That's what happens when you follow the Lord. And and, uh, but it's because of we are committed to unity, and we had to be where, where these people are, and so that's what we're about. So that's Pioneer. There's about 50 churches in the UK, and about another 100 churches across the, the globe now, and so it's, it's, it's early days, so we're looking forward to journeying with you guys over these coming years, and uh, you'll get to see a few more of us over the coming months, so um, I'm excited to be here. Pioneer. Okay, Acts chapter 11, if you you have your Bibles, phones, iPads, if not, it'll be on, on the screen. So here we read those words. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among only Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This had always been the Lord's intention. He said to them, Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. Now, in Acts chapter 2, their Pentecost, uh, the Spirit fell, came upon the early church. They rushed out onto the streets and began to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And we read this. There were in the city at that time people from Parthia, the Medes, the Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia. Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrone, people from Rome, from Crete, and Arabs. So, what happened is that they had all come to Jerusalem, they're all Jewish people, they'd all come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. The Spirit fell, and what happened? They all stayed, they didn't go home. Why? Because it was so good what was happening. There was amazing fellowship, great teaching. The prayers were dynamic. Every day they met from house to house. There was healings and miracles. The community was fantastic. There were no needy people among them. People were selling their property, selling their fields to support. What a great place to be. So nobody went home. They all stayed in Jerusalem (coughs) or in the surrounding area. Why would you go home? It was such an amazing experience that they were all participating in. But after the persecution, after the death of Stephen, they were all scattered. So they all went home. It's always what God intended He chose the time and the place when the Spirit would be poured out to maximize the reach of the gospel across all those places that I just read out. And they ended up in Antioch. So news about what was happening in Antioch spread to the church in Jerusalem, verse 22. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of the Lord had done, He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first to Antioch. And during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would take place over the entire Roman world. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea, and this they did, sending a gift to the elders by Barnabas and Paul, Saul. So the persecution caused the church to spread out, and this church in Antioch Both Jews and non-Jews forms. Barnabas goes, begins to teach. Goes and gets Saul, begins to teach. And a great church is established in Antioch. It's amazing. You know, we see here that they were clearly effective evangelistically. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. They were effective in their discipleship. They taught the church for a whole year. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so it wasn't like um, they didn't become Christian. They became followers of Jesus. People on the outside looked at them and said, they are like little Christs. That's what Christian means, little Christ. They are just like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. The aim of discipleship is that we're formed to become like Jesus. So they were effective in their discipleship. They were little Christs. You take the Christ out of Christian, all you've got is Ian. Anyone here called Ian? Anyone know an Ian? That's all you've got left. You take the Christ out of Christian, you've got Ian. They were little Christs. They were they were becoming like him. And it, it, was, it was a name other people said, oh, they must be followers of Christ because they look just like him. I wonder if people said that about me or you. We don't have the label. We don't have our fish badge on. We don't have it on, the, on, the, on, the, on our bumper sticker. Just by our lives, they go, gosh, what is it about those people? What is it about them? You know, the Methodists were not called Methodists by themselves. Other people called them that because of the way they did things, and so they were first called Christian Antioch. They were effective in their discipleship. We see in um, chapter thirteen that in the in the church was Barnabas, Simeon from Africa, Lucius from Cyrene. Manion, who'd been brought up with Herod the, the Tetrarch and Saul. So they were a diverse group. They were open and inclusive to people from different backgrounds, different races, different cultures, different uh, socio-economic e- e- backgrounds. They were an, an open church, and that's the sort of church that I believe we need to be, but that's what they were here at Antioch. They were hungry to respond to the voice of God. They honored the prophetic. You know, the prophets came down and prophesied. So they, they responded. They didn't, like, treat it cynically. Oh, here we go. It's Agabus again, giving us a word. No, they, they, they listened to the word. Right, we'll take an offering. That was a real step of faith because the famine probably hadn't started at that point. But they thought, no, we're going to respond to what God has said. So they were hungry to respond to the voice of God. And they were generous Giving beyond themselves, they, they decided what they should give, and so what a great church! What a great church! But so what so easily happens is this: just as in Jerusalem, they all got comfortable with the way things were. Let's let's make this is amazing. You know, what God is doing is fantastic, and there's the community, and there's healing, and there's miracles, and there's wonderful worship, and everyone loves me, and I love everyone, and it's great to be here. And God went, no, that's not the intention. The intention is to, to get out there. So here we have another situation where Antioch has become a great church. People are loving each other, serving each other, using their gifts. It's a beautiful place to be. Acts chapter 13. Now in the church in Antioch, there are prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so they fasted and prayed, and they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. So this transition took place. It wasn't persecution in this time. It was the voice of the Lord spoke. I wonder whether in Jerusalem the Lord spoke as well. But they didn't respond. But here in Antioch, God spoke. They responded. They thought, we aren't going to get this wrong twice. So they took Barnabas and so on, they sent them up. They transitioned from a really great local church... To becoming an apostolic sending church, a resource church. And I believe that's the transition that many churches are in right now. I think that's, that's, that, that's what, what you're in right now. You don't need to be big to be a resource church, you just gotta be obedient. And so there's this transition that's taking place. I think the fact that we've connected means that there's an, an apostolic alignment that will enable you to step into the next season of the church's life it's an acts 13 moment it's a great church it feels great the presence is great your, your service is great your community is great but there's more that's that this this, this is this isn't it this, this isn't it it's it's great but it's not it there, there's more and, and so we're in this period of transition which is always precarious you know, it's a, it's a ch- ch- if you're, the most dangerous part of a journey is crossing a river. You know, if you're on, ever been on one of those rope bridges across a ravine, it's like, it's, 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 it's a scary, you know, thing. No one ever really falls over, but, you know, it feels like we are going to. It's a precarious place to be in transition because things change, uh, things will not be as they always have been. Barnabas and Paul are going away they 're not going to be around as much. <sighs> Any change, no matter how good, is always challenging we as human beings we, we we have to learn to adjust and to cope with change because that's in our in our emotions we attach and then the the the, the change takes place, and we feel all at sea and we have to adjust to the new environment. you know whether you're getting. Married, or having your first child, or moving house, or changing job. It's always challenging, because there's certain things that you've become secure with, and you've got to let go of, and move into a place of uncertainty, and what it's going to be like. And so it's always always a challenge of change. But I believe that as we, as you, as we align together, uh, and as they aligned with this call of God, new people turned up. New voices were heard. New relationships were formed. There were new influence upon the church at Antioch. And so as Paul traveled around, he identified others that would come and work alongside him, and then they returned to Antioch, and suddenly things begin to change, and there's there's new people, and there's new influences, and there's new ideas and new voices to come and help shape. That's what's going to happen here, I believe. But Antioch's influence then grew beyond itself. And so um, Paul would come back and say, What your sending has done has resulted in churches in in Corinth and Ephesus and Thessalonica and all these places. And it's because you sent us. And I believe that um, your influence will change and will grow in in this region and beyond. You know, in Isaiah, the, the prophet prophesies, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. they so spreading out. This going to take place here, I believe. From this small group of people, are spreading out and you go oh we've only got five loaves and two fish that's that's and often it can feel like that This, this is all i've got we don't have very much i can remember years ago hearing god speak to me about some things he was calling me into and um i just felt like i had five coins and i looked at the task ahead and it needed lots more than that lots more and i'm like Oh and I felt God say, Turn around. And I turned around and behind me I saw the storehouses of heaven, like millions and millions and millions of coins. And I felt God say, As you give away those five, then you open the floodgates for heaven's resources. That's what happened with the feeding of the five thousand. You had one little boy who went, I've got some fish and some bread. And the disciples went, fish and, fish and bread. And Jesus blessed it and broke it. And, and what's amazing is this, at what point did it multiply? As they gave it away. It didn't like suddenly go, like from heaven, this like huge piece go, vroom. boom. oh great we can feed everybody now no no they still had the five loaves and two fish they went round gave it out gave it out gave it out they gave it out I'm thinking this is keeping going this isn't stopping gave it out gave it out this little bit of loaf just kept kept the same kept growing that's as we give so God restores And I believe God is going to stretch you out to the right and to the left to expand the influence. I believe you're moving from an Acts 11 moment to an Acts 13 moment. It requires us all to step up. As I said earlier, movements only keep moving when those within the movement move. And so the question for each one of us is, so what does this mean for me? What's my step? What's the thing I need to step into or give birth to or create space for in order to see God's kingdom expand to the right, to the left, to the east, to the west, north and the south. Acts 11 is a great place to be. Great church. Lots of good things going on. But I believe God wants to multiply that. So in lots of places, there are lots of great churches doing great things serving the community serving the poor uh, gathering God's people building up God's people discipling God's people uh, demonstrating to the world what God is like there's a great scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 where, where Paul says that this, this, this was God's et- eternal purpose this is what God has always been about that through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known now what's the wisdom of God? it's Christ So through the church Jesus is made known. That's the the big mystery. That's the big plan. That's the big idea that runs from Genesis to Revelation. That through this ragtag group of people Christ is made known. Amazing. This is what God has laid down his life for. That through the church he makes himself known. And so your community go, this is incredible. What, what, why do you do this? Because this is what Jesus would have done. And we are little Christs, going to serve Him. So Acts tw- eleven, Acts thirteen. That's that. That's the shift that's taking place. And um, we want to help you in your Acts thirteen season. Is that cool? Yeah. Amen.